Hello and welcome to the Rethinking Sustainability podcast with Ben, Jazz and Dan. Navigating the complexities of sustainability one pod at a time. I'm Ben McCabe, founder of McCabe & Partners, a purpose-driven executive search and talent advisory. And I'm Josh Grinsing, founder of Recycle App, a recycling software platform that tackles the problem of waste going into the landfill. But when you're actually shown the numbers of what you're doing, it makes you think, okay, well, I need to have a bit of a change here. For me, like the amount of cardboard I was going through when I was having home deliveries for groceries, our nanny would unpack and she would take the cardboard straight away out to the bin and we'd never see it. It was only when I started looking at it and we started getting the data, I'm like, this is shocking. It's all about, you know, changing behaviours, I guess. You know, yes, we're all aware of, you know, our, our, our consumption levels, but actually to get it there in hand at the end of each week or however you uh, do your reporting, things makes makes people sort of make better uh, choices and, you know, you're looking at your food waste, your uh, plastic and paper, recycling, what are you doing there? How can you be better? Some smart kid who's 10 years behind me right now comes in, has access to data, and he can probably solve, or he or she can probably solve the yeah. waste problem way better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't have that when we were coming in. Welcome to Rethinking Sustainability, navigating the complexity of sustainability one pod at a time. This is the first of many, I hope. Yes, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Of, yeah. Fingers crossed. Let's see if anyone actually listens to uh, to us go on for a while. But um, yeah, quick intros, eh? I'm going to do this. I'm going to start the intro just because, Ben, I think you've got an amazing radio voice because that, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. I, like, I, I was actually hooked in. I'm like, whoa, yeah, this is a podcast I want to listen to. They always said I had a good va- uh, face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> or an 80s movie intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheesy as it comes. Cheesy as it comes. Um, but yeah, no. Hey, so welcome to the podcast. My name's Jess. I run a recycling startup in the region. Uh, I've got Dan here, who's my co-founder. We're in the same company. Yeah. And we want to do this podcast together to help navigate well, some, of the, uh, some of the new upcoming stars through the murky waters of sustainability. Like it. We've been talking about this for a long time, so it's good to actually sit down and actually, um, yeah, a bit of a call to action, really. We've been... Um, promising this to many for a while now and I think yeah it's the perfect time now and I think in the run-up to COP28 the year of sustainability I think now is the time to really give a spotlight and a feature to some of the best startups I think here in the region and you know obviously for you guys you know on a personal level clearly with uh, with RE I think obviously you guys are doing great things so I think obviously what will probably come up through this hopefully the podcast series is a lot of uh, features around you know waste management food waste circularity across all industries so Super excited to sort of, you know, um, host, you know, some amazing startups here in the region because we're always, you know, um, in this part of the world, uh, really bound by a lot of like global trends as startups happen in other parts of the world that often come here. But what's actually quite unique now in the last five years, and I think thanks to the UA government, we're now starting to see some really cool uh, initiatives to support the the sort of uh, SMEs here now. So, yeah, no, it's amazing to see what you guys are doing. Tell us a bit more about RE. What is it that you guys do in, in a nutshell? we try to solve the problem of waste, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, 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 like I said, it, when we go back to the start, sustainability is a, is a weird topic yeah. uh, just because it's so vast. We've had discussions about this where we've said, is this sustainable? Yes, it is. But then others have disagreed with us, right? So I think for us, it was just a conversation about waste yeah. as to how can we reduce waste going into the landfill, right? I, I think it's shocking, right? UAE has the third highest capita per waste 
per person. Wow. Right after China and and the United States, obviously China's size and state size yeah. comparatively, that's massive, right? So I think we generate about 2.7 kgs of waste on a daily basis. So it's just a personal pinpoint. I I, yeah. I just got annoyed with generating so much waste yeah. and not being able to do anything. Luckily, I'm privileged enough to be able to do something about a problem that I was facing. Mm -hmm. And that's that's literally how we started. We started four years ago, actually, with with a compactor machine. My girlfriend's dad came up with a compactor and said, hey, sell this machine. I'm me being the salesman, trying to make money, said, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Um, I'm all for money. Once you start researching, kind of builds out the process where you understand, oh, wow, there's so much work. We consume way more than we should. We throw away way more. So the idea of re was just built around that part, which is, yeah. hey, let's be transparent. Let's show people what happens to the waste. Maybe that will change the habits. And, you know, lo and behold, it does. Where people actually want to know what's happening to their waste. There's a, I think COVID helped with that sh yeah. shift as well. And then Dan joined, I think, a oh, year and a half. a year ago now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half ago, which was a life-saving thing for me because, <laughs> because it allowed us to kind of expand beyond just collecting from households. Yeah. So, but that's that's the core of what we do. We collect from households and businesses where we track and trace everything. Yeah. We let you know where it ends up, if it, if it does get recycled, where, and if it does not, what can we do with it after? Uh, with businesses, it's a bit different. We set up bespoke recycling systems to okay. tackle source segregation. Mm -hmm. Businesses are a, like UAE, yeah. it's a multinational Kind of, kind of thing, right? Where you've got different kinds of people, different kinds of thought process. Yeah. So you can't be one solution fits all. Uh -huh. So that's what we do. We track and trace, get them involved, get the employees happy about waste. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's what that's that's the gist of it. I think longer gist than I thought. Yeah. Brilliant, like um, it. I think the fact that we give all this tracking and tracing, it makes people realize how much they're consuming because mm -hmm. it's far too easy now to have. You bin in your house and you take it outside to the wheelie bin and that gets it gets dis taken away, disappears yeah. and you don't think about it. Yeah. But when you're actually shown the numbers of what you're doing, it makes you think, okay, well, I need to have a bit of a change here. Yeah. Um, for me, like the amount of cardboard <laughs> I was going through when I was having home deliveries for groceries. Yeah. Our nanny would unpack and she would take the cardboard straight away out to the bin and we'd never see it. It was only when I started looking at it and we started getting the data, I was like, this is... Shocking. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy life. We can't keep doing this. It's like you, it's trying to change perceptions and ideas and yeah. people. And it's good. Make change, really. I think you made a good point, Jazz, around obviously being uh, COVID where people started to really rethink. And I think that's where, and yeah, not to excuse the pun, obviously on rethink, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think people definitely, there was a bit of a halo effect. I think people had a much more uh, awareness around health and wellness and I, I view sustainability in the same context, you know, trying to reframe actually the word sustainability is branded around and it becomes a little bit, um, become almost disenfranchised by it because you always feel like you aren't doing enough. Whereas I think we should try and reframe it to almost like a wellness approach. But that whole concept around what you guys do really well is, you know, giving people the data and it's all about, you know, changing behaviors, I guess, you know, yes, we're all aware of, you know, our, our, our consumption levels, but actually to get it there in hand at the end of each week or however you uh, do your reporting, things makes, makes people sort of make better choices. And, you know, you're looking at your food waste, your uh, plastic and paper recycling, what are you doing there? How can you be better? So I think what you guys do is really, really impressive. And I think it makes people aware. The challenge for you guys, I guess, is always, you know, trying to get the message out there and convince people that, you know, because humans are naturally, you know, selfish, you know, it's trying Which, to get people on board with that journey and why it needs to be done and why you need to 
be part of the solution. Well, I think that's the trick, right? I mean, that's the that's inherently the problem with sustainability in general. It's convincing. I mean, the way we are set up in this part of the world, everywhere, we like being polarized right, in different different viewpoints. Right? It could be religion, could be politics, could be whatever. Yeah. When you're polarized, it's easier to convince the masses that what you're doing is wrong or correct and that's where you make the money, right? So it's this is where the problem with sustainability, at least for me, comes in. Mm. We do the transparent bit. I think the transparency bit is so much harder than I thought it was going to be initially. Yeah. But the reason why we do this, it's a pretty selfish reason. Like you said, humans are selfish inherently. I do this because I'm thinking if I can showcase data, mm. some smart kid who's 10 years behind me right now comes in, has access to data and he can probably solve or he or she can probably solve the yeah. waste problem way better than I can mm. um, because we didn't have that when we were coming in. But yeah. the thing with my issue with sustainability is just the conversations around it. It's it's too either it's too polarized, right? Either you're with this or you're not with this, yeah. right? You believe in climate change. Yeah. Uh, my thing with re has been balance, like moderation, right? Uh, we will give you the data, but the choice is yours. We can't do anything. We can't force you to change, right? Or we can do like Dan said when he saw how much cardboard he generates. It's mm. you start questioning why am I ordering this, right? Uh, it's the same thing with me. I used to order takeout almost every other day. So when you see the plastic just kind of pile up, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you go, you go, oh my God, how much am I spending on this? And then when you go back and check your app, whatever app you're using, and you go 500, 800,000 dirhams a month that you're spending on on food, takeout, and you go, so it's not even the plastic that, that gets you, it's the fact that you're spending so much money, mm. right? And you could spend the same thousand dirhams and probably eat for the whole month anyway. Mm. Again, I don't know about the the, the math behind it, but, but I'm just saying that the, the idea was, right, if we can be transparent, maybe what we can do is have real conversations about waste. Right? Yeah. So people can then go, all right, cool, maybe I'm consuming too much. I can reduce this. Does this, does this actually impact our yeah. overall overall journey and sustainability? Because it's it's funny, I mentioned, I put this, I think, a couple of days ago. Climate change is not the problem that you're solving. Yeah. Climate change is the result. Of, yeah. of the problem that you're trying to solve, right? Mm-hmm. And which this, this is where the transparent model, for us at least, is the hard part. Because again, there are, there are, there's a small niche of group of people yeah. which love it. They're happy to pay for it. Yeah. But to convince people to pay for something that is essentially free in this country, sure, that's the hard part yeah. in, uh, in, in sustainability in general. Yeah. That's where we rely on, I guess, more government directives to, you know, regulate the, the whole industry, I guess, and make it an individual problem as well as a collective. So, you know, it can't just be, as you say, you know, if, why would I pay to have someone come and take my uh, trash for me when I can actually just put it down a big chute or, you know, end up in landfill and not really care about it. But I think if we are true to what we're trying to do here in the context of um, achieving net zero by 2050, certainly here in the UAE, then we need to sort of, you know, everyone has to be in this. And I think going back to something you said before around, you know, it's super polarized, you know, you're either in or you're out. It's it's like politics and religion, you know, you can't be one or the other. You get branded for being somewhere in the middle. It's super divisive. But I think, you know, I think it's Barack Obama. It's one of my favorite quotes is, you know, you know, we're the first generation to feel the effects of climate change and the last one to do anything about it. And again, I think the similar sort of, and not to come out with all of these nice, fancy uh, expressions, but I guess we don't need a million people doing sustainability perfectly. We need millions doing it imperfectly because, you know, on a very individual level, like that small micro, all these changes that you can make can have a big impact for the greater good. So, you know, I remember, you know, someone saying to me, you know, oh yeah, Mr. Sustainability, you do this and you do that, but then you took a short flight very recently. And it's like, well, you know, there's there's ways that you can have an impact on an individual. Well, no one's perfect. We're all trying to sort of, you know, be more conscious in, in our, our approaches to our lifestyles. But 
yeah, I think that's where it becomes a real hot, hot debate and you're either in or you're out. You know, there's no in between. And that's where there's like, you know, you know finger pointing, you're damned if you well, do, you're damned we, if you don't. Uh, this is yeah. where we come in. This is where this pod comes in. We help you kind of navigate through those conversations, which yeah. is, well, like you said, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Yeah. But but that's the, that's the thing. It's it doesn't have to be polarized. I mean, I don't drive an EV. Yeah. Does that make, does that mean I'm not sustain? I'm not a sustainable person. I'm not making efforts into reducing my carbon footprint. Yeah. Right. It's you can't have all of it perfect. Like you said, you can't be. I can't be vegan. I can't be. I can't have an EV. Yeah. Like, what if I can't afford an EV? Yeah. Right. Uh, what if I've got health issues and I can't be vegan? Yeah. All, all of this comes into play when you're talking about sustainability, yeah. right? Uh, and again, start of the conversation was sustainability inherently is an elitist system mm. or, or recycling, right? Yeah. We, we can, re- we think, oh yeah, we should be recycling. We should be doing this. We, cl- we scream all of this from the, you know, from the top of our lungs. Uh, go back to other countries, right? That are not as lucky, yeah. right? So they are torn by war or, or have other issues. Look at, look at these people. There's, there's, there was a recent article, I think national or the, one of the, one of the big news channels posted it. It's the, it's Syrians, in in war torn areas, yeah. literally picking up plastic from the floor and getting cash back from it, walking a hundred miles to drop it off in the right place and actually get it and then make it into pipes. Yeah. Pipes that they can use to rebuild their, their homes. Right. And that's the biggest difference in thought process, right? Yeah. Because for them there's value in that particular material. In our for us, it's not. It's it's something that we throw away. And I think that is the thing that you were pointing out, right? It's imperfect actions, right? It you don't have to be, I'll give you an example of this pod. It took us so long to set this up because yeah. we were trying to chase <clears throat> some sort of perfection. Yeah, right. true. The thing is just start, right? Yeah. Start, it, get on it. Dan died, obviously Dan died, what, 30 years ago when his dad was one of the first ones to do something similar to an expo. Well, no, even before that, 1992, turning plastic into what, uh, th- fabric. Th- 31 years. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But back then, it wasn't, people didn't care. Mm. Like he was on, my mum will know, I can't remember, but I think it's BBC Radio. And the interviewer who was interviewing about this fabric was like, okay, so if I open my trouser fly, will it go like a Coke bottle? <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was just like, this guy's an idiot. Classic. Like, how, how, can, how can I talk with someone like yeah. this? People who start ready to listen to it. So the issue with plastic, so again, this is where the polarizing part of the conversation comes mm. in, right? Uh, either you are anti-plastic or you are... Hey, plastic's not that, like, plastic is not that bad. Well, I'm in the middle of this, like, single-use plastic. Yeah. Horrible. Of course it is. And we should say no to it. But plastic. It's cheap. And it's amazing. Your food, your food, the planes that you fly, the phones that you use, this pod that you're uh, running right now, right, has plastic components in it. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not complaining about... This I is it. It's hard to rewire industries and products and services that have been built on fossil fuels from 100 years ago with products and materials that at the time were deemed fine and safe. But now with the benefit of hindsight, we now have all of these alternate you know, materials, you know, the science and innovation going into, you know, as you say, Dan, like, you know, the products that you can use to manufacture garments, your phones, your cars, you know, the science is there now. It's how do you impact and, and sort of, you know, roll that out on mass. It's not something you can do overnight. And that's where there's a, there's a really, I'm probably more of a realist, you know, I understand, you know, the importance and yeah, plastic's not fantastic and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, there's also like a, the realist in me knows that these sort of things can't be changed overnight. We're bound by years of like policymaking, regulations, the cost and economies of scale to implement all of this. 
but yeah, that, that's where it all becomes super divisive. And I think we shouldn't be calling each other out. It should be, well, have you considered this? It's, yeah, no, we, we all understand we've, you know, it's behaved in this way and we've consumed and behaved in this way for many years. But education at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's giving people alternate options. Not everyone can afford to be, you know, EV drivers. It's becoming a little bit cheaper now en masse, but, you know, still not everyone has that access and luxury to go there. So let's not call each other out on that. And then similarly, you know, there's, there's a whole host of, you know, um, you know, not everyone can be vegan, you know, from a cost of consumption. And then, you know, this, as we say, you know, navigating the complexity of sustainability. You know, I was reading an article about people who have a purely uh, vegetarian lifestyle are more at risk of uh, suffering from dementia. Now, take that with a pinch of salt. This is obviously based <laughs> on research recently, but, you know, it's, there's percentages to sort of show that there are on case studies more increased risk. And it's like, OK, well, I want to do my bit for the planet, but I also want to look after my health. And I think it's, again, how do you communicate this? And this is why there's so much misinformation out there that sustainability can be quite scary. You know, kids are like suffering from climate anxiety because all they're hearing about these things. It's a bit like when we were probably all growing up, it was all about the ozone. And that's what gives me hope. You know, we were managing to sort of reverse the effects and restore the ozone layer. So humans are, even though we are inherently selfish, but there is hope for us. We can, you know, if we need to and we get a bit of a rocket up our ass, we can actually tend to mobilize and do things about it. So this is where, yes, it's the whole, I hate the whole calling and cancel culture almost like if you're behaving Ooh, in certain be careful. ways. Be careful. That's, that's murky waters, man. <laughs> Call, calling out cancel culture is prime cancel culture example, right? So yeah. are you setting yourself up there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to, yeah, before yeah, but you're right though. This is this is this is the problem with any conversation that we have around sustainability yeah. is is essentially how do we how do we classify sustainability, right? So like are there levels to it, right? Could you could you do it that way? I think you pointed out earlier about wellness aspect of it, right? Mm. Uh, it's it's how does it make you feel? How does it make how does it impact your overall decision in terms of planet saving and so on, right? Yeah. As long as you can do it moderately. Yeah. Right? And not be a zealot. That's where the the balance comes in, right? I, if if I know Dan is a vegan of sorts, right? A vegetarian, no. vegetarian, right? Vegetarian of sorts. I draw the line at vegan cheese. <laughs> I think it's not. I think yeah. I think everyone draws the line at vegan cheese just because <laughs> cheese. It's, it's a just tough cheese. one. Yeah, it's yeah. just cheese. But no. But going back to the conversation, it's just. Do we really want to tell our kids, like you said, climate anxiety? Do you really want your Do you really want to raise your kids with polarizing views? Right, that sets them up for future failure as well. Mm. Right, because when you are then faced with adversity, because of that particular stance that you have, yeah. right, it becomes hard to manage it. When you when you're hundred percent in, you can't mentally cope with someone opposing your viewpoints. Yeah. Right. Again, I'll give you politics for example. If if you are in America, if you're right wing or left wing. There's no middle ground, right? Mm. Either you're right wing and you are all for what, what the right wing guys say and you do not want to listen to it. It sets you up for yeah, failure. Yeah. It is like a religion, sustainability. Yeah, you're liberal, in the middle, conservative, or you're yeah. an extremist. What but that, but, <laughs> but I'll give you another example. We were having this chat in, in one of the groups that we were in. Uh, you pointed out one of the brands that you're working with yeah. closely, right? And they uh, obviously charge a lot more when it comes to their pricing. Yeah. But they do it in a sustainable way, right? Exactly. The sourcing, the sourcing is is done properly. They don't go to a cheap factory in India or China where yeah. it's dollar what to the cent in terms of what they what they create. They don't get anything out of it. Yeah, um, and you're shipping it across the thing. And someone someone pointed out saying, "Hey, no, this is it should be inclusive of everyone. It's yeah. not sustainable." Yeah, exactly. Can you make sustainability inclusive for everyone? 
if it's inclusive for everyone, then it's not really... Someone's someone's getting exploited somewhere down the line, potentially. That's it. I mean, it's economies of scale. The more you ramp this up, then obviously it should obviously bring costs down effectively. But yeah, it's hard. And this is the issue I have, you know, with, uh, again, you know, people trying to do it the right way. You then get criticized for obviously them being a premium product and service um, because that's what it often is seen as, you know, stainless is a premium product. So it doesn't have to be. There are alternative solutions. There are, you know, better innovation. And I, I, I think it's not a level playing field as well. Like businesses that are behaving and brands and products and services that are behaving with people and planet of mind should be exempt from certain taxes. They should get more, you know, advantages and like make the uh, playing fields like fairer. Ooh, that's a good shout. I think yeah. even here locally, for example, if you're a sustainable business, because there's no video here, I'm putting this in air quotes, right? So it's just like <laughs> right, so it's sustainable businesses. And if you can showcase that, I know I know you're doing the B Corp thing, right? Mm. So let's say, for example, you're doing the B Corp thing. So any company that is essentially on that path, right, should get easier business uh, business account setups, uh, for example, right? Could have initial financing for the first six months. Yeah, We're not talking, I'm not talking about a million dirhams here for the business from the get-go. Very small cash influx, yeah. right? Just so that they can, for six months, for example, go and set something up that actually makes a difference, right? But you mentioned something great, e- economies of scale. I think mm. that's literally what it comes down to. Do I want to go spend 50 dirhams on a sustainable product when I can get the same same result with a 10 dirham product, right? It's yeah. my personal choice that I am going for the 50 dirham because yeah. I can afford to. Yeah. But do I have the right to go up to someone and say, hey man, you should you should be buying the 50 dirham thing yeah, when yeah. he cannot afford the 50 dirham exactly. thing. And I think that's where the sustainability kind of needs to change yeah. or at least the conversations around sustainability need to, yeah. needs to change. It's, it's the balance of it. I understand your point of view. I disagree with it. Yeah. But I understand it. I am more than happy to sit down with you and have, again, it just comes down to the base of religion, politics, right? Yeah. Anything that splits you. Um, but but yeah, this is this is what we try to do with Re as well. Have different conversations. Yeah. Uh, we still struggle because, because people are okay generating waste. Mm. But as soon as it's there one day beyond what it was supposed to be there, it's a, it's a meltdown. Oh, they didn't pick up my waste. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. I have to drop it there. I'm like, you live in a five-bedroom villa, right? You're telling me you don't have space for one extra day. Obviously, I'm not complaining about my service. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> but you've got, you live in such a big house. Like, you can keep the thing for one day. It's not going to hurt you, right? But it's that thought process of what yeah. you want to change. These are sustainable people. Again, commas. Yeah. See, even the business side of things, like when we go in and give them quotes, there's always a bit of an in- intake of belly. Yeah. It's like we're talking to big companies. Their budgets are huge, but they're going to be... Yeah, that's it. No one, everyone, everyone's apparently concerned, but no one wants to really pay for the problem. That's uh, that's the issue. With, with, okay, so this is maybe, I know Dan probably disagrees. Maybe that's my sales aspect that I am struggling with. Maybe I'm not getting the value proposition through, which is again, a big thing. You need to get your value proposition yeah. in place, right? But when you go talk to these big companies and you tell them, oh, we're going to track it for you. We're going to trace it for you. We're going to get the employees involved. We're going to give you marketing metrics. We're going to do all of it. We're going to do the whole nine years. We're going to change the way you think. Right. Uh, and for us to do this, for example, one of the companies, we set up nine different boxes because that's what they chose. We go and question the employees. We set up nine different boxes, so different categories, so plastic bottles, uh, food packaging, food takeout trays, metal, so on and so on. So yeah. they source, they segregate a source. Even then, even then, the initial part of it was, oh my God, I don't know if I want to pay, but you want us to do the right thing, right? Yeah. If you want us to do this, do you want your waste to go to the landfill? No. 
Okay, then why aren't you using the current uh, uh, solution that you have? Because it's going to landfill. Okay, we're giving you an alternative. Oh, but I can't pay for it. Yeah. So I have to then go back. But this is the mindset that we have to mm. kind of, your first point was the education bit. Yeah. Right? How do we Someone's going to pay for it somewhere. That's the issue. Uh, they also, they have no idea about the waste that they're generating. So we go in and it's like, okay, well, by us taking this and you cha- we're us charging the fee for it, you're going to be reducing your municipal waste by potentially 50%, which is then going to reduce your costs yeah. at that point. So yeah, there's cost saving further down the line when you yeah. start to understand what you're doing. Mm. But it, all they think about is right now, I've got this invoice to pay. Yeah, that's it. It's all about the bottom line. But then with a more long-term mindset, you know, all these little things like, you know, for an employ- on an employee level, and I come at this obviously with a, uh, my uh, headhunter recruitment uh, hat on, you know, if I look at it from what people want to or expect from, from a business now, so on a B2B level that you guys do, you know, if I was an employee of a business, I want to know what their credentials are, what they're doing on an environmental point of view. Yes, they can pay me a nice salary, give me great benefits. But the role of a company now is far more beyond than just providing a, a job and an, and an income. Um, you know, companies are now becoming more like an activist, you know, they have like an activism approach. It must be a nightmare being a CEO of a company in this day and age because you're expected to take a stance on things like climate change and, you know, Me Too, um, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter. You know, you have to have an opinion now as, a, as an employer and a, and a business. So in the context of like climate change and your own environmental <laughs> impact, all these little things start to work back. You know, one, consumers want to see what you're doing on a micro level, not just nice fancy branding, but what are you doing behind the scenes in your own operations? And then on an employee level, you know, people want to work for companies that care in this day and age. I'm seeing a huge trend now in, in people moving for like-for-like like salaries. They want to work for purpose-driven companies. They want to work for B corporations. They want to work all these micro changes here that might seem like a bit of a cost, actually in the bigger picture has a bigger return on uh, investment in the context of attracting the best talent and, and creating a winning culture that has a true to its ethics, really. So that's where I think reframing the cost of sustainability. It's not just looking at on a day-to-day, yes, it's going to impact your bottom line in, in the context of something that you previously sent to landfill cost me nothing. It's then educating and saying, well, look, here is what people want. This is what you're in, you're, not only your employees, but your customers are expecting. So maybe that's something that we should all be thinking about as well. Which is, which is no, but that's a great point because um, the problem with sustainability, right, is it invest now, well, it's not a problem. I think it's a good thing, right? So it's it's the process is invest now and see results bit later on, right? And that's not that's not how the world works. Yeah. It's it's if I'm gonna put cash in now, I wanna see results now. Right. So I obviously talk about delayed gratification with these guys. I'm like, hey, listen, you're not gonna get the impact straight away. Right? You're gonna get the impact in three months from now or six months from now. I think that's that's where the gap is. If we can kind of shorten that aspect of it, which yeah. is where the again one of the points you made was, uh, if you're if you're a sustainable company, maybe you get a grant from uh, from the from from the government. Mm. Again, I'm, I'm talking about very small amounts, right? Yeah. Which can allow you to kind of test your hypo- hypotheses and go, all right, cool. We can't give you six months. What we can do is we can try bringing it down to three months or two yeah. months, whatever. As soon as you see the impact. That's when hopefully the changes start happening, right? Yeah. But it's, again, it's a, like I said, I've been in this, I wasn't like a a big sustainable person. I wouldn't consider myself as a sustainable person about four years ago, yeah. right? Um, I, I, I mean, I segregated my waste, I did my plastic thing. I'm like, oh, cool. But I had the same thought process, which is I've done my bit. I've put it in the right bin. I've made sure it's clean. Like what happens after? I can't control it, but that's the thing you can. Right? So, but this is I. So, I, what, because I've gone through that journey of understanding 
I don't actually enforce my viewpoint on anyone. Uh, I don't really go, but you should be doing it. Yeah, are, you, yeah. are you crazy? Why aren't you doing this? I don't do this. Uh, it's more of a conversation. Be like, hey, listen, I will showcase data. I'll show you data. If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, I can't convince you. Yeah. And then obviously you stay in touch with them. You keep sending out touch points on a regular basis mm. where they eventually, hopefully in a year's time, they go, ah, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, because humans... Don't go on data, don't go on anything. They go on social proof. Yeah, It's how others think of you or perceive of you when you do a, a, a certain action. Right? So if you go and throw this coffee, for example, now Ben has a coffee on his table right now, All right, a coffee mug that is a takeaway cup. Not reusable. Yeah, I do have one, but I didn't bring it with me. But yeah, there we go. There's some shaming right there. There you go. See, the, the, I, I, because we're not on video, we thought we'd get away with it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we are calling it out. So, but look, I can call you out on this. I'm, I'm not calling you out, by the way. Um, but you are. I spotted <laughs> some recycling bins outside, though. They won't recycle, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's something we can work on. Let's let's kind of divert the conversation back to. <laughs> In in play thing because I'd rather not talk about other companies' setups because uh, yeah, cancel culture, <laughs> cancel culture. But yeah, no, look, I can I can shame you. Hey, you've got a cup. Why are you getting a cup? I I don't know. But then this is it. it. It's all about micro influencing. Uh, so you know, lead by example, showcase how you're behaving. Don't call people out for it because that actually disenfranchises it. It alienates people. It actually makes drives people away. It's like yeah. the more you tell someone you're doing something wrong, it's like with a kid. You say no, don't do that. They kind of act up to it. Humans, you know, that's just the way we are. Unfortunately, we so can only proof. positive influencing and just lead by example. Yeah. Um, guys, like we've <laughs> this was supposed to be a short intro, and I think oh, we. Whatever. But this is this is how this is how um, this is how sustainability works. This is how the whole conversation can just ebb and flow and takes in different directions. What are our um, hopes and dreams? Who have we potentially got coming up on the pod series? Oh man, I'm excited for the for yeah. the guests coming on. We've got a couple of really good startups coming up. We've got um, uh, we've got Waste Lab, a young food composting startup here that that works on collecting your food scraps from businesses yeah. and households and make it into compost. Brilliant female co-founded business. And female yeah. co-founded business as well. Uh, we've got Daniel Hirogo. Yeah, again, back in food waste. Exactly, yeah. Very topical right now. And yeah, we're uh, very keen to give everyone the understanding because there's a lot of talk about B Corp. People probably have B Corp products in their homes and in their drawers and in their shelves. Uh, so we want to give people a bit of an education around what B Corp actually is, the benefits, changing shareholder uh, value to stakeholder-driven value companies and mindsets. So we've got Esther and Hunkel from Kadira Eco Consulting, which is super exciting. And yeah, we've got a lot in the pipeline. So yeah, I guess I guess I'll probably, we probably all share the same view here that you know we really want to give and use this platform and the podcast to really spotlight some of the best startups here in the region. We'll probably bring in a mix of corporates as well, just to sort of have that balance of you know the SME sector and what the corporate guys are doing as well across industry. So I think it'd be good to have that diversity of thought and different scales of companies. But yeah, I think we really want to do this from a from a passion point, really, just give people a voice, representation, make sustainability inclusive. And yeah, let's let's see where we go and let's see if uh, anyone well, as inclusive wants to as listen. You, as inclusive as you can be. Exactly. And just adding a couple of thoughts on Ben's thing. Uh, if you are someone that wants to be or wants to learn how to be sustainable, well, this is the part for you. We, may, we will make it easy in terms of the questions that you probably do have. Um, and you get a deeper insight on, like you said, on how corporates run sustainably and how startups are trying to change the status quo yeah. and bridge the gap between what 
what corporate and what actual sustainability is, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, good stuff ahead. Yeah, definitely. And so we don't have to bore everyone with, you know, <laughs> our bios and what we do. What, um, how can people find you and look you up, Jazz and Dan? Uh, they can knock on my door. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they can find me on on LinkedIn. There's Instagram. I think we would, I don't even know my my login details, honestly. Like my, don't, you don't give out your login well, details. We're not going to do that, yeah. We're not login details. But yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. I, yeah, uh, uh, on, woo. Uh, as long as my missus is not listening, yes, then they do. Um, yeah, but the website? Oh, yeah. So recycle.app. We, uh, it's R-E-E-C-Y-C-L-E.app. Yeah. Uh, you can get all the information there as to what we do. You can follow me or Dan. I call out a lot of stuff that I see in yeah, sustainability. Yeah, you're pretty vocal on LinkedIn, which is good. Yeah. Um, and that's where you can find us. I'm not a big fan of Instagram, but you can see us doing stupid stuff on Instagram as well. Sounds good. Yeah, it's recycle.app on Instagram as well. And yeah. I'm Daniel Ashcroft on Instagram and LinkedIn. Perfect. And I'm, uh, yeah, Ben McCabe. Oh, um, you didn't even do an intro to Ben. Who cares about me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, off just, ben, I'm more off interested McCabe, in what you guys do. Of McCabe partners. I want to know of, uh, you know, the hero of sustainability, right? <laughs> on every panel, on on that's ev- it. Yeah, every I'm ca- award show. Causing trouble on social media. I've yeah been to more um, panels than hot dinners. I think recently. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a busy old year. But um, yeah, well, obviously I'm Ben McCabe. I'm the founder of McCabe and Partners, a purpose-driven executive search and talent advisory firm. Um, yeah, what's interesting about me? Well, I guess I'm trying to change uh, the industry that I work in and I view talent and people. You can be more sustainable with your people effectively and the businesses that I work with. I feel like I've got a responsibility in, in the boardroom with the people that I work with and influence and change that I should be putting in people who come with the right mindsets and skill sets to bring about transformation for good effectively. And I do a lot of work within the consumer industry, so products and services. So uh, which obviously has a huge impact on the environment. So the people that I potentially recruit into these businesses need to be of the, you know, the adapting and um, incorporating the skill sets needed for the future to ensure that we actually do have a, uh, a planet and, you know, business to, to actually run and, and work from. Um, but yeah, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Ben McCabe uh, website, where we've just released our first impact report for 2022, which should hopefully highlight some of the impact we're, we're doing as a top line you know 55% of our placements last year were people deemed as underserved individuals so people uh, female or people of color uh, primarily and yeah we do a lot of um, impact hiring we do pro bono searches for startups like how we got to know you guys oh yeah just um, just a small tidbit uh Daniel Ashcroft of Re was actually introduced to just by Mr Ben right here, right? He was the one who introduced us. Dan actually features in my uh, in my impact report. I so yeah, I read my name in there. That's, cool. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you're uh, you're your Insta or LinkedIn famous now. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. We've we've. So I was gonna say before, obviously Ben gave the intro. I was gonna say Ben is the. Oh, what actor can I think of here? I was thinking of an actor. I was thinking of Shah Rukh Khan of sustainability, but then <laughs> a lot of people might not know that. So I'm gonna go with uh, Bradley Cooper. If Bradley Cooper of sustainability, right? He's the pretty face behind every every campaign. Um, <laughs> I uh, love it. Yeah. Brilliant. But yeah, no. Um, just just as a as a thing, please do like and subscribe so that we can push this across to more people. Should have done this earlier, but learn, live and learn. Yeah, this is it. This is our first. We're going to refine this, make it cool, 
And yeah, keep it informative. But yeah, guys, this is super exciting. We finally got around to doing it and uh, look forward to bringing on some of our guests over the next couple of weeks. Five years time, we'll listen back to this first one and cringe together. <laughs> I'm dying inside. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Again, thank you so much for the first podcast. I am excited where this goes. Yeah, and cheers to our, um, our host venue, Podcast Now, part of the Echo Group. Yes, thank you so much for having us here. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Sustainability podcast. Drop a follow to never miss an episode. For more information on ourselves, there's a link in the show notes. See you next time.